right, this is Dark Days Radio, episode number 107, talking about Geist the Sin Eaters, the setting, the new story ideas, and all that good stuff. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Chris. How's it going, Chris? Uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah, busy. <laughs> Lots right. of stuff going on. We'll get into that. Right on. We've also got Chig. How's it going, Chig? Pretty good, Mike. How you guys been? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. And in addition to that, we have returning to the show, refreshed, well-rested, Matt. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's going all right, though I wouldn't really use either of those two terms to describe me. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> tired today as well, but uh, we've got some really exciting content here with the new Geist of Sin Eaters second edition, which I think we're all pretty pretty psyched to talk about. So it's going to be a, gonna be a good episode. However, you know, Matt, you haven't been here since we started the new format, and usually we kind of give just like a, one person gives like a quick game update. So I was hoping maybe, since you haven't been on the show for a while, you want to just talk about any like cool tabletop gaming you've been doing, any any card games you've been playing, anything like that? Well, I haven't been doing much tabletop gaming other than playing a lot of Magic the Gathering, um, mostly mm-hmm. just due to that's what we have people around here who really want to play, and it takes less time than trying to organize any kind of tabletop thing what we have been doing is a lot of commander which we've having a lot of fun doing um set up like a 25 dollar deck league and been playing that from time to time when we can nice nice are you excited for the new uh war of the spark expansion i know a lot of people have been pretty amped for that judging by the fact that i've got a box full of packs here sitting next to me probably a little excited nice good to hear good to hear Cool. Anyone else uh, have any other game updates or anything you want to jump in with? Oh, too many things been doing gaming wise. Uh, War Warhammer is near its end when I can get the players together to uh, finally do their little jaunt into more time. Uh, Introduce some my gaming group to Kingdom Death, and they seem to quite enjoy it. They liked how relaxed it felt, which I think was interesting comment because uh, it wasn't very grindy. Because you know you only fight one monster, uh, and then playing some Adeptus Titanicus and Batman Miniatures game, which uh, Adeptus Titanicus is ultra rad, and Batman is fiddly as hell, but, you know, kind of looks the part, feels kind of right, but I have other opinions on it, so, but that's uh, another time. All right, nice, awesome to hear. So, I guess with that, let's uh, kind of move the episode along and jump on over to any news. All right, Chris, do you have any cool announcements, anything like that? Anything good going on? Oh, there's lots of good stuff going on. So um, UK Games Expo is going to be quite important. So UK Games Expo takes place at the end of uh, end of this month. So that is from Friday, May 31st through to the 2nd of June. And as part of that, I'm running the Geist, the Sinita Second Edition uh, scenario for one of the roleplay events that makes up the Contagion Chronicle um, tournament. So, what will happen in that is the the players in each game taking place, which is both vamp- which is vampire, geist, werewolf, uh, changeling, and I. Th- Whoa, what's the other one that's taking place? I can't remember now. I wanna say possibly Promethean, but don't hold me to it. Anyway, it's all up on the on the sign-up thing. Uh, the players will, having played that, will vote which player they thought was the best at the table, like, deserves to go through to the next round. And the next round is the full crossover game that Matthew Dawkins will be running for Contagion Chronicle. And then there'll be a same vote at the end of that, and, you know, players will get freebies and will get, um, will get prizes for participating and so forth so that's all ready to sign up on the uk games expo uh website and then all other things going on is that i will be running on the sunday morning uh two two hour vampire fifth edition demos at the modifius booth and then also on the sunday at 2 p.m we have the uk Games Expo Darker Days Radio 10th Anniversary Live Show with special guests from ooh, from Onyx Path, White Wolf, and Modifius. So we will cover upcoming things from Chronicles of Darkness and also World of Darkness. And if I can get certain people there, possibly a little bit of Trinity as well. Nice. That's awesome to hear. Do we have the people hammered down yet? Uh, or are we still kind of 
we're not making an announcement it, on. We're keeping it vague because obviously you never okay. know what could happen in right, the run up. Right. Mostly we'll have it locked down a few days before, maybe, and that might still change. Would it would it be safe to say that people that have previously been at like you know Dragon Meat uh, uh, coffee episodes and stuff like that might be on this panel? Possibly so. Yes. Okay. All right. That's as, uh, as much detail as we can give at the moment. Yeah. And then also on the Storytellers Vault, um, Venice on Mass has been doing really well. So that's the setting book I wrote and edited, re-edited after it's been around for like eight years. Put it up on there. Um, and that's been doing really well. It's still in the top 10 on Chronicles of Darkness uh, community material. Um, good reviews for it. So please grab it. It's a good setting book if you even just want it for, say, Vampire or Mage. And at some point I will write Vampire and Mage bits for for venice or more than likely geist actually because i think geist is a really good fit for venice uh, given the themes uh and then also um the hunger within is doing really well still you know still still getting picked up and people have uh, reviewed that as well uh is there any other news about releases well i think it'd be cool to bring up that uh, we are currently in the process of running a geist adventure which will be coming of out course. pretty soon um, and that'll be pretty rad. It's going to use second edition rules. So uh, if you like what you hear this episode, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, once it comes out, it'll probably be like a month from now or something like that. But uh, pay attention to Facebook and other social media. And uh, we'll also announce it here on the show once it's uh, finally hit the street. Yeah. All right, cool. So I think that's pretty much it for all the news. So let's just dive into the Chronicles of Darkness and really explore Geist second edition. Chronicles of Darkness. Geist is the storytelling game of second chances, and boy, did it really need a second chance because the original hmm. 2009 printing was riddled with errors. There was uh, like unedited rules from a rough draft made it in. There, there was like a lot of strange formatting errors, uh, and even like the distributor, Alliance Game Distributors, was not interested in buying the game line. So that really reduced the uh, the amount of effort that could be put into it. You know, there couldn't be any Geist supplements, and uh, there, there were a lot of issues, unfortunately. So Geist was, back in 2009, kind of half-dead on arrival. Now, the interesting thing, interesting bit of history, is that Geist actually got, like, a version 1.1, because Eddie Webb saw all the issues that there originally were, took it upon himself to basically rewrite the book, re-edit it, re-lay out, and everything, and get it into a workable condition. And that was a, a really well-received new version for Chronicles of Darkness 1st Edition. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we've got all the new uh, Chronicles of Darkness 2nd Edition material coming out, and finally we have the updated Geist. So uh, in this episode, we're going to explore the setting, talk about some of the different character ideas, and go through that. And in the subsequent episode, we're going to cover all the rules and character creation options of Geist 2nd Edition. And uh, yeah, we'll see if uh, the second edition is really worth the second chance. The big question to start off with, of course, is who are the Sin Eaters? Who are the bound of this edition? The characters that you play. Uh, does anyone want to jump in and uh, kind of cover some of the, the basic ideas? Okay, so um, I'm going to mention something that goes all the way back to uh, original first edition Chronicles of Darkness, back when it's still World of Darkness. Um, well, New World of Darkness. So we had all the way back in Shadows of the UK the idea of these guardian graveyard spirits that were kind of an embodiment of uh, of death, the meaning of death. And that is where the germ of the idea of Geist comes from. And we actually see that concept of those guardian spirits actually in this book. So the first thing is you are playing, partly playing a spirit that is not just a ghost, but is a something that's kind of become more than just a ghost. It's become uh, a, a meaning, an embodiment of a type of death, uh, an element of death, like, you know, dying due to car crashes, maybe, or dying due to asphyxiation, or dying in some sort of type of fire, like arson or something. Um, you could even look into, uh, say, modern... Uh, media, you can simply look at, say, Corpse Bride, um, the animated film, and in that, the Corpse Bride is a geist of sorts. And now, while the geist is a type of spectral dead 
you know, spectral entity from the underworld, a, a ghost that has become something more. The Sin Eaters, though, are still human for the most part. You have died, and you have, rather than you know, becoming a ghost and clinging on to your anchors, the things that tie you to this world, that gives you essence, that keeps sustains you, uh, something else has helped tie you to the world, and that is uh, one of these geists. And that is done through something called the bargain. So the geist kind of sits inside your soul, or at least helps tie it together so it doesn't kind of tear apart and become the bits that you know as a ghost. I think that covers what a geist is, or what the uh, at least the metaphysics of what a uh, sin eater is and a geist is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the interesting things about the sin eaters is they don't have these like overarching global conspiracies or anything like that uh it's all pretty much these smaller more localized uh crews with their mythologies that exist so the uh, seniors tend to congregate and draw together both mortals and ghosts uh and create their own sort of religion uh in many ways which is one of the kind of basic elements that you can really explore in this game is kind of the development of your own um way to perceive both the world of the living and the world of the dead. And I think that's really another cool place to uh, kind of jump into here. Maybe Chig, you can mention some of this, but uh, of course the Sin Eaters kind of walk this line between life and death and interact a lot with ghosts as well as regular mortal people, right? Uh, right. The uh, Sin Eaters themselves, like you said, they, they form a mystery cult with some other Sin Eaters and some mortals and some ghosts who were hanging out in their neighborhood. And, uh, they try, depending on the nature of their crew, to counsel ghosts who have uh, gotten stuck here in this reality who need to move on, or they go out and they avenge ghosts, or they help them resolve their traumas uh, in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're part counselor, they're part cultist, uh, they're part ghostbusters, because of course in the game there are the uh, the evil ghosts from beyond the Avernian gates who have come back to uh, to uh, be mean to your your regular friendly ghosts, and also just negatively affect the the mortal world as well. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, the the positive uh, feeding cycle of Geist. And actually, it is interesting. That is kind of a positive cycle is that you can, by helping ghosts and helping them uh, work through different issues and perhaps move on, that's one of the ways that the uh, seniors can, of course, get plasm, which is the, uh, the fuel that they use for many of their interesting abilities and the like. So while, of course, there can be you know, evil sin eaters that take advantage of ghosts, a more careful crew can of course cultivate different ghosts either using them or helping them as part of their their whole mythology and all of that which is pretty interesting and neat there's quite a host of antagonists in this book as well for for you to face so we've been talking about ghosts that come from the underworld these reapers which we'll get a little bit more into uh there's also humans that learn how to eat ghosts through certain rituals and that sustains mm -hmm. them and there's a really interesting thing in there which i think might tie back into our review of um kindred of the east actually um and then there's obviously necromancers and necromancers could both be antagonists or actually be members of the crew because there's no reason why you can't have mortal uh necromancers or alchemists who manipulate the essences of the dead and then there's uh, there's the Kerberoi and Chthonians as well, the other weird things that live in the underworld. So there's a lot of interesting things. And I think that's one, one thing that's obviously born of second edition Chronicles of Darkness, that because everything hangs off the same core mechanics for how spirits operate, um, a lot of the working how the underworld operates is is clearly the work of of like Dave led by Dave Brookshaw and others because obviously how the underworld operates has to tie into other realms, spiritual realms operate so that obviously mage has a good handle of can interact quite well with all of these things. Um, and there's no reason these antagonists can't turn up in say werewolf who are more than capable of taking out spirits as well. Yeah, definitely. 
So let's get back to the Cinders a little bit, because I think one of the really cool things to talk about here in second edition is how fundamentally the, the Cinders have changed. Now, when you look at first edition, uh, the big, the, the basic splat of the, uh, or character archetype of these characters depended on how they died, which is fine. Uh, it's kind of very similar to uh, Wraith the Oblivion, where the different legions, uh, you were assigned to a certain legion depending on how your ghost had perished. Uh, and that's how they kind of delineated things. But now in Geist 2nd Edition, they include these new burdens, which are very interesting. And they basically all represent why your character decided to come back, why they decided to make a deal with that ghostly Geist spirit and come back to the world of the living and have this whole kind of uh, this dual existence uh, from here forth. And it's very interesting. You have ones such as the bereaved who return because of their own sadness, because they want to uh, make up for something. You have the hungry who still lust in many ways for their mortal life to continue living and to experience these different things. And that's why they return. Uh, and then of course, like the vengeful, which is your, you know, archetypal kind of vengeful ghost vengeful spirit you know maybe something like eric uh draven from the crow that sort of thing um the abiding are my personal favorite because they died and realized wait a minute i didn't do anything that really matters in life so i should probably go back and do something anything that will leave people to remember me in a positive light uh, because the abiding are also people uh, an example that they give of an abiding is somebody who uh, was an athlete and uh, they died with uh, like an asterisk in their in their record book, you know, so they have to come back and they have to show that no, 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 no. Yes, I was that person once, but I've moved on. I've actually overcome that whatever it was that that uh, darkened my record. And here is what I'm going to do moving forward to make the world a better place. Uh and I think you also left off the kindly. I did. Yep. yep. Right. The people who died and realized, um, wait, I did something horrible. I have to go back and I have to make that right. Uh, and it could be something like I never said thank you when my, my next door neighbor uh, came by when I was sick and, uh, you know, brought me casseroles. It could be something as small as that, or it could be something just on a world scale. So they have to, they have to come back and they have to to make things better, and I, I like that all of the, the, uh, bound are coming back to try to make things better, for whatever, their own personal point of view is as to what that means, whether it's a, a vengeful coming back just to beat the crap out of the people who beat the crap out of kids in his neighborhood, or if it's uh, uh the bereaved who. You know, they never really told their loved ones how much they meant to them. So now they have to come back and, and make things better in their memory rather than for my own personal ego, which is the abiding. And Chig, do you want to talk about the uh, the geists a little bit? Yeah. Um, like Chris was saying earlier, uh, the geists are spirits who were once ghosts, once human ghosts, uh, but who have moved on uh, to become something more primal and less human, more archetypal. Uh, they're all tied to a particular cause or concept of death. So it could be starvation. It could be freezing to death. It could be industrial accidents. Uh, but they are the spirits who empower the sin eaters uh, that they are bound to. Um, now, as most people who listen to this, I'm sure know I'm not really a new world of darkness kind of guy or chronicle of darkness kind of guy. I'm more of an old world of darkness sort of fella. And uh, the nearest and best analogy that I can think of uh, to make, make this work in my own head uh, and for other old world of darkness guys uh, would be the awakened avatars from mage. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're part of the mage and they're the source of the mages powers and abilities but they are inherently separate from and more than the mage and if i wanted to port this game over to the old world of the darkness uh playing a sin eater would be really fun in a mage game so you know you have the built-in 
ties to the Euthanatos with death or the Celestial Chorus with their belief in higher powers and doing greater things or even Hollow Ones with their morbid fascination with uh, the underworld. And uh, if, if and when I run another mage game, I'm probably going to lift the whole Geist creation system out of this game and use it to have people flesh out their avatars. Yeah. But but yeah, like like I was saying, a, a geist is a powerful ghost uh, that gave up its own humanity and being uh, to become something bigger that grabs the the bound at the moment of their death and uh, just makes a deal with them to come back and influence the living lands. But the geists also um, they have their own memories as much as they may well be twisted by the things that have changed the ghost into a geist. They have some memories and unresolved things, which again, I think if you through play, if you resolve the geists, um, you know, desires, needs, whatever you're resolving, um, that also plays into the evolution of the geist and the and the sin eater as well. Right. They don't have. They don't remember being John Smith but they do no. remember being, you know, I was a father or I was a, uh, a mother or I was oh. a, a, a prince and I have to go and, you know, they're archetypes. They're not, they're not people anymore. But I also, I, am I right in thinking that also the, the power stat for guys, and I will get into this in the character creation called Synergy, uh, is about how that back and forth between the Sin Eater and the Geist and how much you begin to unlock the Geist's kind of deeper memories as well because obviously you're as a sin eater you're reminding the geist how it was human and the geist is opening you up to more of the powers of death and the underworld uh through that process so um yeah it's it's a really cool cool balance and i can see why that would work for uh old mage for mage the uh, ascension right yeah absolutely yeah the uh, the more synergy you have with your geist the more they remember being who they used to be, but the more you have an influence over what you can become. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what's the next bit we're covering? So Mike, what's the underworld like? I think we've covered this a lot in other in other episodes in the past because we've used it as inspiration for, for old school race, but um, it's good to have a full reminder, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. So... Basically, the underworld is a, another layer of reality that you can enter, and it has, has a couple of levels. Um, so the geists, or even mortals, could probably uh, enter through the Avernian gates, which are these links to the underworld. And by stepping through that portal and entering, uh, you end up in these, initially, these kind of caverns and with like winding rivers, um, the, the rivers of death which are uh, what leads you down deeper into the uh, underworld itself, where you can find these like these like small like shanty towns of ghosts that reside in the uh, uh, in the underworld where they've kind of found different detritus and scraps that have kind of fallen down there and used those to build small communities uh, and the like. But as you descend deeper and deeper into these other realms of the underworld, you start to find, more bizarre and alien and distant kind of creatures, which are things like the uh, the Kerberoi and uh, other entities uh, lurking down there until you get to the more really overlords of the uh, underworld itself. So it's interesting uh, perception. It's it's similar in many ways to um, uh, more like the Greek underworld in a lot of ways, where it's kind of this dark realm where there's many echoes of the uh, the living worlds that have just kind of like fallen down here. Yeah, it, it even it specifically references eating the pomegranates and uh, makes you know very not at all subtle uh, nods to the to it being the Greek underworld, mm. which is interesting. But I yeah, know. I mean, there's there's many there's lots of different things with with how they've um how they set up set up how you get there so mike as you said you have these avernian gates which are generally found at places that have resonate with death so there's an avernian gate in every graveyard uh you might find an avernian gate um somewhere which has been tainted by lots of death 
you also find them at low, what, what are often called low places, so places that are dark, underground, uh, cavernous, you know, those type places. And then when you go through the what you call the upper reaches, they often have more of a reflection of the more recent world. So say you went through an Avernian gate in the London underground, the the walls of the, the the walls of the tunnels there would maybe still look like they have the same sort of tiling. There may well be rusted signs from previous eras that give the names of of uh, of tube stops that might you might still also hear the rumble of the of the tube trains that are going by in the real world so you're still kind of you have that level of proximity still and then to get further into the underworld you have to go via the rivers of the dead you actually have to cross them or travel down them and the rivers of the dead are are quite important only as as a way of denoting uh, layers of the underworld it's the rivers of dead where um where a ghost drinks from in order to become a geist in the first place yep cool so i mean that's pretty much the underworld right there so that's going to be one of the uh, main settings where a lot of these uh, uh adventures can take place uh whether it be dealing with ghosts down there um and certain investigations or even mortals being lost down there as well uh which can be a lot of fun to uh, go and explore so I think at this point, as we've been kind of alluding to a lot, there's we should probably explore what you actually do in a game of Geist. Because when you first sit down and start thinking about this, it's it's a little tough. It's a uh, it's a kind of a foreign setting in a lot of ways, which has many elements which might be difficult to brainstorm for. Uh, luckily, Geist seems to have a lot of different like end game content uh, that's been put in uh, to give your sin eater something to work towards uh in kind of like a basic overall chronicle um but in addition to that there's also a lot of ideas for how your crew uh will exist and kind of interact with both the living world and the world of the dead so i think just to start off it would be good to kind of talk about the different crew archetypes um now there's five included in the book which are the basic uh ones that are meant for player characters so we have, of course, the uh, the Furies, which are crews that try to balance the scales of justice to put right anything that's gone wrong in either the world of the living or the world of the dead. So um, kind of like ghost cops, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because they're, they're not they're not about they're not just about uh, exacting revenge or or just balancing the scales they're looking at the reasons for why something went wrong in the first place as well so they're a lot deeper than just uh, a bunch of ghostly hangmen running around right 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 i mean they they can be just yeah a bunch they can of be ghostly yeah. hangmen yeah. running around beating <laughs> the crap out of people but in theory they they should be more and i mean they don't have to be like good guys at all they could actually be more about enforcing the status quo and that sort of thing. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the uh, more antagonistic uh, crews. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, we've got the mourners, which are ones that uh, try to remember the dead um, and kind of care for the ones that have been forgotten in the world of the living. So uh, helping out and assisting ghosts that might exist from centuries ago that no one really remembers. That's that's really cool because going back to what we were saying about the underworld with these shanty towns, because the way ghosts ghosts, if we talk mechanically briefly, ghosts retain gain essence when they're near their anchors, uh, in or they do other ways of siphoning essence in the real world. In the underworld, because their anchors have been destroyed, they've been drawn down there, so they kind of eat from little bits of detritus that comes flowing down from the uh, from the living world through Avernian gates so literally memories tokens whatever and the other way ghosts can get back essence when they're in the underworld if it is if someone remembers them so that's really i really like the, that concept because you can then empower ghosts wake them up and then you can go down there and you can start talking to them about things that have been long forgotten so um yeah i really like that um kind of concept one thing to note though is that um 
sin eaters cannot remember ghosts and give them essence they have to find somebody else to remember the ghost for them which which is good because that represents how uh, a sin eater's uh, soul is not the same as a human soul because it's held together by a geist so it's not you know it doesn't have that uh, internal spark which is what's required for those memories to carry essence to a ghost uh, then, of course, there's the uh, the Necropolitans, which are geist crews that are focused a lot more on caring for the dead and uh, looking out for the underworld and focusing on that as opposed to the world of the living in many ways. Uh, so that's what the main focus of their kinds of chronicles would be, is exploring the underworld and trying to, say, reunite um, uh, loved ones and things like that. Of course, there's also the uh, the pilgrims, which so they kind of see death as a uh, another journey in many ways, and they're on their own, I guess, pilgrimage in many ways. So they help uh, the ghosts and the dead try to release from their anchors to move on and to continue their uh, existence in whatever transcendence there is beyond. And finally, uh, there's the undertakers, which are very interesting and unique. Um, the undertakers try to help the living get their affairs in order so that they can either easily uh, come to terms as a ghost or even perhaps skip that entire existence in many ways. Um, they try to change the, everyone's perception of the dead and uh, really try to fix and assist the world of the living with regular mortals and use that as a way to help correct things in the underworld as well. So... Furies, I understand. They go out, they they fight for what's right for their, their ghostly charges. Mourners, I understand. They remember those who have died. Undertakers, I understand. They prepare people for death so that when they die, they don't become ghosts with unfinished business. I think they're more than that as well, because if they do die they're they're going there with uh with um they're they're already influencing the underworld through through the living because the underworld is a carries that reflection that memory through so i think it's that as well right yeah yeah, yeah that's how i've read it and i think that's a pretty interesting story idea but necropolitans i do not understand what they do on a, in a in a sit down and play this game uh way i do not understand what a necropolitan does in the game pilgrims i even understand they're you know you know move on go toward the light necropolitans i don't get it maybe it's just me and it's not the kind of game that i want to play but i don't understand so i mean i'd have to probably read through the uh the four page spread again uh and see kind of what jumps out at me uh it's like some story hooks and story ideas i mean one of the things that's interesting about the way this book is written is that uh, there's this one writer on it who has these really, as Chris put it, very purple prose where they give you a whole bunch of, you know, one sentence examples, uh, which are all very inconsistent and usually don't help you like understand the point. And then the paragraph after that, they will say like the official statement of like what these are. Um, which is a really bizarre way to write. Usually you want to like make a statement and then provide you know, reinforcing facts rather than throw some strange facts or sentences at people and then, you know, start to explain things. So, yeah, I'd really have to go through and look at the Necropolitans again and try to work through those sentences and examples to see if any of them really spring at me as, like, uh, story ideas and the like. Again, I mean, the interesting thing about these crew mythologies, the four that we understand, the one that we're a little confused about, is that when you're doing character creation, which we're going to get to in a future episode, you and the other players will basically agree upon what kind of crew you want to have. And when you agree to that, you will pick one of these crew archetypes. And that will really, in a lot of ways, kind of set the stage for the kind of chronicle that you're going to play. So if you all concur that we'll have this crew be Furies, then boom, we've got, a, uh, we've got our ghost cop situation. Or if we're going to all play as the Undertakers, well, then the storyteller knows that uh, they're going to have to make a lot of mortal NPCs to work with and, you know, have those as um, as characters that will be kind of a long-term uh, focus for the crew to interact with. 
And I think uh, overall, that's actually a pretty good way to set up the game and really helps give Geist 2nd Edition a good focus for how you're supposed to play in a way that the uh, the first edition mm. didn't have in a lot of ways. Going back to Necropolitans, uh, just reading through, flicking through the chat, that little section on them, um, because of some of the examples, uh, the example crews they have is a crew which fosters younger crews and provides financial aid and mentorship. Another one which is uh, which is very uh, very active physical kind of crew because they're into extreme sports apparently, or at least that's their shared interest, and they launch missions to aid. Uh, the living and the dead both in the real world and the underworld and then there's also like an, a usenet group who is called alt.gothic.ghost uh hilarious right um anyway they they contact people and ghosts that are, that are tied to technological affinities so really uh necropolitans are kind of your i would say they're kind of like uh maybe a bit like the mysterium in mage the awakening uh in that they 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 use social networks to gather all the information that could be useful to help look after and, and create communities of the dead, both within the underworld and in the real world. So they're very much about how crews operate and grow and become cults and 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 develop ceremonies and so forth. So they're the they're the really, really social ones, basically. That explains a lot about why I don't get them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's kind of like it's, they're basically the 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 idea of like you know bringing the the thing is they say necropolitans are the crew of compassion. So they 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 listen to ghosts and work that work through their their issues as well and work through people's issues and the people they remember who've just passed away. So they bring together people in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit different. It's maybe a, a very social game you'll be playing. Maybe if you were playing those, it's kind of, you know, you're not going to have a very antagonistic fighting ghost. You're just going to have like a, an open door bake sale with with the next ghost comes in and explains things. And you might have about a half dozen of these ghosts explaining things. And then one of them might actually be the, the true plot arc for the main story because it's their, their issue is very large. But you get to maybe paint broad print pictures about how people deal with death and and cope with it it's a more social community building type of crew yeah yeah i don't think that's bad at all i mean it also you can tell a lot more by if you look at the the um the ceremonies that uh a a, a cult based upon the this uh, mythology has it's not mythology sorry it's uh this what do they call these factions? Do they call them bound congregations? Congregations, that's it. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, well, the crew archetypes are pretty interesting. Uh, and one of the things that you can obviously assume is that all these different crew uh, mythologies and congregations can come into conflict with each other. And of course, that means that they gave us in the book a couple of uh, more antagonist um uh, archetypes to work with and draw some inspiration from. And Chick, I know you were reading through these, and uh, a couple of them like really jumped out at you as being really interesting and fun crews to play, right? I mean, they're they're not good people. Any of them, they're no. they're very much. No. Uh, what's what I'm looking for here? They're they're taking advantage of the dead. But uh, on the other hand, they're dead, and I'm not, so I win. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the the bone pickers, which, I mean, first of all, that's just a cool name, uh, mm -hmm. uh, is a an enemy crew archetype or an antagonistic crew archetype, uh, who see death not as something to overcome or not as something to uh, to uh, synthesize, but uh, as a way to make money. Hmm. So they they find people who have died and they get them to tell them, you know which floorboard to pry up where they hit all the, uh, the Kruger Krugerins and they, they go to that building and they take that money and Hey, look, good job. They've made some money off the dead. They uh, sound like they would get on really well with one, with an asshole death aligned, um, uh, tower of the lead coin, uh, mage from mage, the awakening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, these are, these are the guys that you have as, you know, antagonists in your, your crossover game. Or if they don't get along with them, then they're um, rivals 
to that uh, that lead coin mage. Cool. Uh, there's the thanatologists who uh, are referred to as a recent phenomenon uh, who don't see death and the dead as, as a, a mystical thing, really. Uh, but they they see it as a, a puzzle to unlock. So it's just, just, you know, magic is a science that we don't understand yet kind of kind of deal cool again one of the things coming back like these ideas the the really geist 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 often seems to have the opportunity for some of the best crossover without anything to do with the contagion chronicle because again you look at the way you've just said about thanatologists and they're looking at it as a death is a puzzle they're looking at it from a very much more maybe science-based way kind of that flatliners kind of approach or maybe um the lazarus effect uh, was another recent film which had that kind of looking at death and if you unlock it what does it reveal using science um Again, thanatologists, I feel, would get on great with maybe a um, autotrachal vampire who's also into alchemy and also being dead works quite well. Or, or even what's the antagonist from Mummy: The Curse? Is it David Corp? Whatever the hell it was, was it David Corp? Um, uh, no, I can't. Wasn't it DNA Corporation? No, that's uh, from Werewolf. <laughs> oh, my bad. Yeah, but anyway, they they render <laughs> yes. mummies down because they want to capture that essence of death as well. So. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And you can definitely see the alchemists from Promethean 2nd Edition being definitely involved with uh, a thanatologist Hell yeah. crew. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff there. A lot of good ideas. Anyway, they next up, well, oh, yeah, of the thanatologist crew. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's the point. Anything, the anyone can be a member. Anyone who wants to join. So what's the next um, antagonistic crew type? Uh, the gatekeepers who see that nope, this system that we have here it it might not be the best, but it's how things ought to be. So I can see those guys working with um, was it uh, the the werewolves who um, Matt, you know you know more about uh, werewolf the Forsaken, but I presume you're there... thinking of the hunters in darkness, mm, possibly or the, bone, so. or the bone shadows. I think it was the bone shadows that you were telling me. The bone about. shadows. Yeah, that would make it, sense. Yeah, they have a they have a system, a hierarchy, and darn it, this is just the way it's always been, and it's the way it's always going to be. Yeah. And finally, there is there are the Elysians who don't believe in death for them. They're alive, and they're going to stay that way. Uh, <laughs> so they're going to do everything in their power to keep themselves in power and keep themselves alive. Mm-hmm. I think you could yeah. gain some really cool members of that if you go to first edition Chronicles of Darkness and look at Immortals. And you could quite easily have an Immortal who's also a member of the crew because they're somehow cheated death. So they could be almost venerated for that reason as well. Yeah, study them, see what they did. How did they figure this this mystery of eternal life out? And how can we do it? Because we've seen what's on the other side, and it is, it is not great. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. So the antagonist ones are really interesting, and I think it's interesting to note with them that a lot of these would not, a lot of these seniors would not work well with their geists. No. Right? The Elysians would uh, really be pretty problematic, uh, since the the geist would want to be resolving certain things and uh, embracing life or remembering life uh, in particular manners. But the Elysian would be really kind of running from that in a lot of ways. Um, the Thanatologists would probably be experimenting with their geists, which I'm sure would not make them very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, gatekeepers, they could probably get along pretty well with their geists, uh, depending on what the specific goal of that geist was. I can see all um, of them getting along with their geist, depending on what archetype their geist is true but i'm also saying that i can see a lot of reasons for them to not get along and that's one of the reasons why these may be better as more npc kind of uh crew archetypes than as player character ones uh however if you want to go down that road i definitely encourage you to i think you could have a lot of fun with these four absolutely their um their goals and their practices are to me, a lot more obvious than some of the uh, player character crews. 
Yeah, and it's really easy to come up with story ideas for them. So we talked about the crew archetypes, and those are a means to an end, right? But Guy's second edition is really interesting because it gives you three end game goals that you can work towards. Now, we've seen this in a couple of um, uh, World of Darkness games, like, of course, Wraith the Oblivion, uh, but also in some Chronicles of Darkness ones, uh, most notably Promethean the Created, uh, which has the end of their pilgrimage uh, for, the, for the Created. Now, we have three options here in Guy's second edition, and I'm just going to quickly go through them uh, just so you can kind of see uh, what the options are and the different ways that your Chronicles could, uh, could head in. Um, but of course, there's a lot more rules and text in, in the book itself. Uh, but you have the uh, basis, uh, which is the idea that the, your crew will eventually learn about like, the injustices in the underworld. They'll descend down, they will fight the Caraboy, uh, and they will hopefully be victorious and overthrow the underworld um, hegemony at least in a portion of it, and begin, begin to create something new, something better for ghosts, something better for the dead, and maybe a, a better place for the living to go once their, their mortal existence ends. So that's one option. There's also a catharsis, which is a more personal journey, where both the, uh, the bound Sin Eater and the Geist will um, basically reconcile themselves and join together in a um, more egalitarian state. Finally, there is Kaberos, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is basically the shitlord option where you your crew will trade their their empathy and their their humanity in many ways to gain power in the underworld. you know joining up with one of these you know dark chthonic beings, uh, or their Kerberoi, or something else, and basically joining with the uh, the current oppressive system down there. Mm. And that's it. They're really three pretty broad options. Uh, the book gives you a lot more ideas than I'm explaining right here, but I think it's pretty cool to see that uh, the writers are really trying to think of uh, what kind of ultimate goals you might have in Geist, because that can be a real issue in some World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness games, where you know, you start to make your characters, and you have to think of a story, and you kind of start spinning your wheels as to what the outcome is really going to be. So if you're going to use a, a long, epic kind of chronicle, uh, these three options are definitely pretty good choices. Yeah, absolutely. It's either you live long enough to become the enemy, or you uh, go out a hero, yeah. kind of. Yeah, or you just have your own like personal reconciliation right yeah catharsis yeah the game does mention so. that um usually as a part of the kabiros or the one where you change the underworld for the better a part of that is undergoing catharsis because changing the underworld for the better is usually you know basically a 100 percent resolution to all of your geist's personal issues hmm. okay yeah i mean i could definitely see that happening but in other games, I could see catharsis running kind of secondary to it. Less less character-driven games will probably not need to have that catharsis element to it. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good point that uh, you make there, Matt. Cool. So that is a lot of uh, Geist material that we just covered. So uh, obviously very interesting, very cool. Uh, a lot of neat setting stuff. Uh, does anyone have anything else you want to bring up uh, just as we start to kind of wind down this episode? Well, Mike, there is one thing that you haven't discussed yet. Uh, how about the Reapers? Mm-hmm. Does someone want to jump in on that? Uh, go for it, Matt. You brought it up. <laughs> All you. I brought it up because I vaguely know it exists. <laughs> okay. Okay. So a Reaper is um, is what happens when a... is uh, So a Geist can die. And when it dies, its uh, ephemera, its corpus, whatever you want to call it, twists and shapes itself into a type of memento mori. So these these uh, items of death, uh, which often could be keys, uh, they are tied to keys. They can be used by other sinitas to empower things. But a, a a the death of a geist creates this death mask, this type of memento mori, which can be worn by a ghost and that empowers them and 
obviously ties them into the very powers of the underworld to death, all those things, but without the kind of mediating element of, uh, of a geist that exists. And that turns them into very hungry, awful goats capable of opening Avernian gates, coming into our world, and um, basically grabbing ghosts and dragging them off into the underworld to feed on them and other horrible things. They are complete assholes. Yeah, they're just hungry spirits. Oh, yeah. So they're kind of like specters in that sense from Wraith, but I think, um, uh, yeah, kind of. Nice. All right, cool. So, yeah. I think that's pretty much it for Guys 2nd Edition, uh, at least the setting element of it. Of course, next episode, we're going to be talking about character creation and going through an example and talking about a lot of the rules and a lot of the mechanical updates, because there are quite a few in this 2nd uh, Edition version, and it's all pretty neat. So, yeah, I guess we'll just start to uh, kind of wrap things up here. So, of course, uh, we are Darker Days Radio. You can check us out at our website, which is darker-days.org. You can send us an email over at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. We have our Twitter, which is at Darker Days Radio. We're on Instagram, Discord, uh, Facebook.com slash Darker Days Radio. We're on Spotify, where we've been getting a lot of uh, of new listens, right, Chris? Yeah, it's slowly ticking up. Uh, People are making use of it, so that's good. Uh, I think you can even get us on Deezer. I don't even know what the the stats are on that. So, But, you know, we're we're there. Um, And, of course, on iTunes. Please, 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 if you listen to the show, please leave reviews, because it does help help us organically reach people that are into the same stuff as you so you know more listeners is great because then we can find out what more stuff you want to hear from us in future um what else can they do mike to support us we i've put some new stuff on Redbubble. please you know we're a totally freebie uh podcast but it'd be nice for people just to show their support by turning up at conventions wearing a t-shirt because then people go oh who's dark today's radio and then look us up and be like oh right cool um yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Thanks, everyone, for uh, coming on board for this great episode. And, uh, yeah, to all the listeners out there, thanks, take it easy, and have a good night. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Occam's Laser.